Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 29 of the Jetman with the Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Jojen Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? I'm solid, man. It's a beautiful day out. Nice and sunny here in Cleveland, Ohio. Chilling out. Nice and sunny. Yeah. Um, looking forward to watching some... Uh, some jet man today is uh today's a good one dave i know i've been saying that a lot but we've been in the middle of a good run of episodes it's a good run of episodes uh this one is episode it's not yeah it's episode 29 not making that up it is called uh somewhat misleadingly the final battle is this just a thing that is in every series because i am like in Die Ranger, there was another one where it's just like everyone dies and the world ends or something. Like I don't remember exactly what the title was, but it had like a very definite air of finality that was not accurate. Well, I mean, listen, this is called the final battle. I feel like it should be called a final battle because every episode is somebody's final battle. Like, you yeah, know, Mirror those... Dimension didn't get another go. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Maybe it's not as misleading as uh, as we're giving it credit for. So, but before we start that, Matt. Oh, sure. Before we watch Children's Anti-Jetman, uh, there's another thing. There is. There's there's a little thing we need to get through. Uh, business to attend to, yes, Matt. Yes, business to attend to. And actually, before we get to that business, um, which involves a certain number of stars, uh, remember last... Oh, that's right. Remember last week when I brought up the idea of doing like a fantasy league for Kaku Ranger. Yeah, I remember that. I felt really yeah. good about like this clever original idea I had. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it turns out that is a segment <laughs> that is done almost exactly by Ranger Danger. Um, ah! Something that I should have known because we have had one of those guys on this show. I have been on that show and I listened to... I don't listen to the Dino Charge episodes, which is why I didn't catch it. But like, oh, as it okay. turns out, not only does it exist, but it exists on a show that I listen to. I just didn't know about it. <laughs> I love, I really like Ranger Danger. Uh, and if listening to two Australians say the words Ranger Danger does not put a smile on your face, there's something fundamentally wrong with yeah, you. Yeah, you're doing it wrong. Uh, anyway, that does not mean that we're not going to do the segment. Uh, it just means that I wanted to give credit where credit was due. Uh, yeah, maybe the guys can give us some uh, some tips. We can get check in, see how they right do. Right on. So, uh, now, so, Dave, now. I know you've all been waiting for it. Shining in the uh, heavens. Tenterhooks. There are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So, our first star of the week, Matt, is that I am on uh, spring break, which is great. Like, it's super great. Is it, have you been on spring break this week, or are you heading into spring break? No, I am. I uh, I'm heading into spring break. So how my district does it is uh, is that it's the it's the it's Good Friday, and it's the week following okay. Easter, basically always. So uh, so I was off of school yesterday, and I've got all next week off, which is great. I don't know if you can hear it a little bit. I've been feeling a little bit under the weather recently, but like, dude, this portion of the year, and like, I don't like to talk about it until it's done. 
but like the chunk of the year between between uh, when you come back from winter break and when you hit spring break is the worst part of teaching. Oh, it's I, I imagine Cause like it's interminable because there's not really any days off, right? Yeah, man. Like you get because okay, so like the first part half of the year, you know, like you show up to school, everything's like brand new. Uh, like everybody's kind of like there's a bunch of excitement and there's like like events and there's like a there's like holidays so it's like Halloween and then there's Thanksgiving and like all of this stuff and then all of a sudden like you've whipped through all this stuff and then it's winter break and you're like oh my gosh that was crazy and you get back from winter break and then it's just like a slog for three months and there's like one or two little days off here um but it's just like, and it's like, and especially in, in like Cleveland, like it's gray and it's cold and like you're just waiting for the sun to come out and you're just showing up day after day. And like, let me be clear, man. Like I'm a grown up. Uh, like I have had jobs that aren't teaching. And like, I like I having a spring break is great for me personally, but the kids need a break. And when the kids need a break, like, Guess whose life that makes difficult? Uh, is it yours? Yeah, it's mine. Because, like, like, listen, guys, I get it. Guys being my students in this case, like, I get it. It's gray out. You don't want to be here. I, I don't want to be here. But, like, I'm the teacher, so I can't just be like, oh, F this. Like, guys, let's just chill out and, like, take a day off. Just, like, read a book or something. Like, you can't do that because I'm the teacher. So when nobody else wants to be there, I am trying to provide, like, I am the sole motivator for, like, 20 kids, like, trying to get through this right. stuff. You are, like, the and sole I, engine trying to turn over, like, the entire classroom <laughs> full of people. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, like, you try to make it fun and interesting. And, like, there are elements of education that can be really fun and interesting. You know, like, when you're reading a story and, you know, people are, like, getting up or, like, a play and they're, like, acting out parts. But, like, semicolons just aren't interesting, man. Uh, like, I'm an English teacher and I don't think they're interesting. Like, they're really useful and it's a good thing to know how to do is how to use a semicolon but like, there's just no real way to make like. There's no way to make that right. Fun. That's not like that's not like fun time party time. No one's getting really right. down on that like very specific punctuation. <laughs> so it's just like, guys, it's just you just gotta know how to use a semicolon. So we're just gonna practice it. So uh, this is it's like the worst part of the year because after spring break, it's just it's gravy from here, man. There's like a quarter left. And, uh, you know, it's like the sun's coming out and people are getting excited about the end of the year. There's like end of the year sort of like not festivities necessarily, but, you know, like the seniors are graduating. Yeah, stuff happening. It's more like, dynamic. Yeah, there's like things happening to like lend some interest and excitement to the day. Because like between, between the two big breaks, it's ju- like just nothing happens um, except the play. The play happens for me. So, like, from it's actually not even as bad as it could have been because I have the play to lend things excitement. Like, if I didn't have that, it would just be three months of nothing. Uh, and that's awful. But, but it's over now, Matt. And I'm on spring break. I got a week off. I've got some house projects I'm going to do. I'm going to make some LARP weapons, I think. That's going to be real oh, fun. Season's coming up. Yeah, season is coming up. First event that I'm playing. Uh, there actually is an event uh, literally happening right now, but I didn't. I'm not at it, obviously. Um, in May, May, I'm uh, 
gonna go be a, a knight. It's gonna be super fun. I used to be a wizard, but now I'm a knight. Had a had a life altering experience with a dragon, so now I'm a knight. <laughs> you laugh. It's true. Uh, <laughs> for like a given value of true. So, uh, Matt, what is our second star of the week? Uh, Dave, our second star of the week is, it's also wizard related, actually, uh, coming off what you were just saying. <laughs> so, uh, longtime listeners may recall that we, ages ago, I think going on two years ago, so before the start of this program, uh, we backed a Kickstarter yeah, for the like 20th that. anniversary edition of Mage the Ascension. White Wolf role-playing game. It was very important to us in college. We still play it. We love it. And there was this big, fancy version of it that they were going to make. And it was finally, like, printed. You know, they put the gold on the edge of the pages. It's bound in, like, this hardcover leather thing. It's really a gorgeous book, right? It's, yeah. It's, like, a deeply satisfying book. It's heavy. Like, that book has got to weigh at least four or five pounds uh, i can tell you because it's like that 700 pages long including the packaging like the boxes and like all the wrapping stuff the package uh-huh. according to the post office who i had to talk to about it which i will get to in a moment uh package cost uh weighed about eight <laughs> pounds now that's including like okay, two boxes yeah. and a mountain of like packing material but yeah but the tome. book's definitely the lion's share of that <laughs> so as I said, so I, had, I got mine in. Mine arrived yesterday. Yes, and I have mine now. But according to the tracking information, mine came in on Thursday. But it didn't come in on Thursday, oh. Dave, because here's what happened. <laughs> I'm sitting at work, <laughs> and I knew that they were like mid route, and I had anticipated it coming in today, actually, because it was the uh, uh-huh. the anticipated delivery date. Yeah, same here. But. I just go on the FedEx site and it says, oh, this has been delivered. It was delivered at 3.43 p.m. So I said, great. And you're just like, dang. Like, that's awesome. Two days ahead of time. This is perfect. I'm going to swing home before I head over to your place. Um, So I drive home and I expect to see like a nice sized box sitting on my front porch. Where boxes always congregate when I've ordered them. And there's one or two different spots that like the various mail carriers will put them. So I check all the spots. No box. No box Ooh. whatsoever. And I'm looking around for some sort of notice that says, like, hey, we tried to leave the box, but it needed a signature, which I would have understood because I paid more money than I ought to have for this Many book. dollars. So it would have made sense for them to ask for a signature. Uh, but no, it just didn't arrive. But it said that it arrived. So I had to call FedEx. But FedEx didn't actually deliver the package. FedEx brought it to the post office, and the post office delivered the package. So FedEx gave me the post oh, office tracking number. okay. And then I had to sit on the phone for like 40 minutes trying to get a hold of the post office, um, which was an exciting evening. Uh, and yeah, that, so I finally get a hold like of a blast. them. And they say, okay, there's nothing we can do for you now, but like we will start some sort of inquiry into what happened, which did not sound promising. Yeah, that's like the least helpful. I mean, okay, listen, sometimes that is actually helpful. But when you want something done (laughs) immediately, like, oh, well, we will start an inquiry process to see what maybe the problem is. Like, that's not, that is not satisfying. Right. Like, I do not want you to start like a multiple day inquiry. I just want to talk to like the mailman who didn't put it in the right spot to ask them if they remember where it went. (laughs) Right. I want my stuff. So... 
I, I do all that. And then before I get off the phone with them, I get the phone number for my local post office, the one that would have dropped it off. I right. call them. I give them like the 20 digit tracking number. Um, <laughs> because the post office, the post office tracking numbers are absurdly long. Um, yeah, they're well. I mean, listen, they're dealing with like what, a, like a million packages a day or something. Sure, it's hey, gotta listen, be I'm not getting that. down on them. I'm just saying it's not a number that I can remember off the top of my head. <laughs> right. Although I remember most of it now because I've had to read it to people so many times. <laughs> so I finally, like, I get a hold of my local post office. I give them the tracking number. They say, "Okay, the box isn't here, and your mail carrier has gone home for the day. But we'll talk to them in the mar- in the morning, and we'll give you a phone call and let you know what's happening." Okay, great. So, I get a call from them in the morning while I'm at work, and they say, hey, what's that tracking number again? To which I respond, madam, you are the post office. Like, you should tell me what the tracking number is. And B, you are the ones who should be providing this information. (laughs) Right. And of course, I hadn't brought the number with me to work, so I had to call FedEx again to get the number again. Uh, And then I called the post office back, and they said, okay, we will figure it out i guess and as it turns out what happened was the post like the postal carrier did deliver the package to someone on my street but it was just someone on the other side of the street which is like an apartment building in which i know nobody ooh but they were but they were able to get the package back and they just brought That's it back cool, to the post office uh, right. And so I went this morning to pick it up, and now it is safely uh, within safely my home. clutches grasp. I have it now. Tender embrace, Matt. Come on, this is a beautiful, this is a beautiful book. Uh, <laughs> so that was that was the saga of me receiving mail this week. God, well, I tell you, um, it's worth it. You were in for a treat because I got like a print on demand, like a cheapo copy of it, like ages ago. Right. Like when the text was done and the book was ready and it was just like at the printers kind of being uh, crafted, they also made available like a cheap and I got that. And the book is great. Um, Like it's a really well done thing. So you are in for a treat, especially if you're, uh, you know, which you are, of course, like a a fan of the game. So yeah, I I know that's awesome. I'm glad that you finally our our character names uh, listed as supporters. Yes, they are. They are in there. That is like a thing that I know uh, that like people get super into because it's listed all the time on Kickstarter. It's like, hey, if you kickstart this, like we'll put your name on it. And I'm like, like no, that's very cool of you. Like I get it, but like I genuinely like I really just want the book. Like I don't care if you put my name in it. <laughs> you know, I thought that I didn't care, and then I saw my name in the book, and I I cared a little. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, I'll be real. I probably care a little bit more than I'm like, I'm kind of like play it off, but it's, I like to see my name in print. Everybody does. Even if it's like my fake made up name. Yeah, well, that's better. I actually like to see my fake made up name in print uh, more than my real name, unless it's something I'm like real, real jazzed about. Right. Anyway, so Dave, what is our third star of the week? Oh, so our third star of the week, Matt, is the Fallout 4, the first kind of bit of uh, the Fallout 4 DLC came out earlier this week and I played it. Yeah. So it's called Automaton. It's super fun. So um, what is like what is the main jam going on there? Okay. So I actually thought that this was going to be like kind of a larger DLC pack uh, than it than it actually was. 
it was actually only one, and it was like a fairly extended, but it was only like one big mission. Um, there is a larger thing that's going to be coming out, I think in like a couple of months, that's going to be like a whole new, like, you know, like 30 hour, like big, big expansion. Right. Um, this is not what that was. So what it is, is that you as the character have run into a, uh, a villain called the Mechanist, which is, if you're familiar with like the Fallout 3 New Vegas uh, sort of mythology, it's like an old comic book character from before the fictional war that caused the Fallout apocalypse, right? Mm-hmm. And this person has taken on the mantle of the Mechanist, who is supposed to be a hero, uh, but they are your enemy, and you're sort of like sussing out what's going on there. But, so like the missions were really fun. There's like a new thing, and you get like some special armor, and uh, you know, you're like fighting a bunch of robots and stuff, so that's really cool. And listen, fighting robots is always a great time. Oh, yeah. Listen, fighting robots is so great that there is a comic book character just called Magnus Robot Fighter. (laughs) I forgot about him. Um, But the really cool thing, like this is the big draw of the Automaton DLC, is that they've included a new crafting bench thing. Because uh, in Fallout, if you're not familiar, you can make like weapons and armor and you can like des- you can build like a settlement and you can do all sorts of stuff. And the new workbench that they have included is a robot maker. That is so, very exciting. Yeah. So now you get as to make you are like and punch robots. That's both ends of the robot interaction spectrum yeah. that I am interested in. <laughs> So there's a new companion who's like an AI robot, and uh, you can modify her. It's a her because they gave her like a female personality. So you can modify her, and then also you can build whole new robots from scratch. And so like as you are running around punching robots, you're gathering parts that you're like unlocking schematics, okay. which are letting you like mix and match pieces. And so, uh, and then when you kind of finish the thing you get access, I won't say how, uh, but you get access to like all possible schematics, right? And so you can just build like crazy. So I built uh, like a giant tank bot with like a hammer buzzsaw arm and like a laser Gatling cannon arm. Um, And it just like rolls around with me and it's got like shoulder cannons too. And so this thing just rolls around with me and just annihilates my enemies. Uh, for me, like I'm just, I kind of wanted to see like how effective this thing was in combat, so I just kind of hung back. Um, the answer, Matt, is real effective. I mean, it's got a buzzsaw hammer arm and then a laser gatling arm. So, right. I mean, I really, m- what more could you want? Yeah, um, both out of a robot and out of life. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the Automaton DLC, uh, it came out. It's super fun. I'm having a great time with it. Uh, there's not actually a whole lot to say about, <laughs> about it. Um, I'm just building robots. You can, like, make a stealth robot. You can make a tank robot. You can make a tank, like, a robot with, like, a brain and a jar head. Uh, it's great. So, um, yeah, so that's that. What, Matt, is our fourth Star of the Week? Okay, Dave, our fourth story of the week is something that I saw on Twitter the other day. And it really, I wasn't sure how to react to it, okay? That seems like 90% of Twitter, but go ahead. Sure, sure. But this was, so normally when I see an ad on Twitter, what I do is I block the account because that's just 
how I respond to advertisements on Twitter. I, yeah, I get a, a great deal of joy every time I do it because uh, I'm never going to want to interact with those brands. Um, that's not like a, that's not what I'm on Twitter for. You know, I'm not there to really get into a conversation with Visa. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, no, definitely. So, but this one, it it's so perfectly like aligned to my tastes. That like I wasn't gonna go out and buy a thing because of it, but I felt bad about like getting rid of it because I was like, no, 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 you got me, like <laughs> you have figured me out. Well done, sir. Uh, and I am willing to like honor your weird algorithm magic because what this ad <laughs> is is it is a combination, uh, DiGiorno pizza slash WWE advertisement about rising to the occasion. Um, well, they where, got you, man. Where it is comparing what I assume to be like a self-rising DiGiorno pizza crust with like great moments in wrestling history where people have risen to the occasion. Um, and one of the things was the Sasha Banks uh, Bailey match from NXT Takeover Brooklyn, and I was just not willing to delete that from my feed. But it's also a DiGiorno ad. Uh, I also yeah, man. Really like oven pizzas. Right, they got you, straight up. That is literally all I have to say about that. It's just like this weird thing that has popped up in my feed like three or four times this week, all with different wrestling matches. I am like, I am a little bit amazed slash like a tiny bit creeped out when like a marketing algorithm like nails me so specifically. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes it's like, oh, I was doing a search for, like, whatever, and, like, now that thing is on my feet. Like, yeah, sure. Like, that makes sense. But, like, sure. every once in a while, something comes up and is like, I was not searching for a product like that. You have just, like, intuited that that's a thing that I want. Uh, and it's a little bit It's strange because on one hand, like, yeah, I do totally want that thing. But on the other hand, like, it's a little bit creeping me out. Yep, yep, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah. So that's it, yeah. Uh, I guess we can move on from that particular star, because I think we're going to have a little more to say about this next one. Uh, Dave, what is our fifth and final star of the week? Oh, man. Okay, so uh, you probably would have anticipated this if you are also like a comic book nerd, but let's talk about Daredevil. Uh, you, you should have known that we were going to talk about Daredevil. It's so good. Um, let's, so, let's Daredevil Season Daredevil. 2, it's out on Netflix, and I haven't finished it yet. Oh, see, so I, I um, when I'm we in, are I'm recording, in, we are a week out from when it dropped on Netflix, and I finished it that weekend. No, I am in episode, like, eight, I think. Um, okay. The... Okay, well, let's, let's not talk about anything, like, specific or spoilery, um, but there are some things that we can talk about about this uh, season of Daredevil. Yeah, okay. So there's some stuff that's like kind of general knowledge. I don't feel bad about spoiling that because like you know it's going to be in there. So like you know that the Punisher's in it and you know that Elektra's in it. Um, so I'll talk about the Punisher for like a hot second. First, I'm yeah. going to say I was skeptical of the new, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, uh, but of the John dude, Barenthal, I think. Yes, that is his name. Thank you. Uh, I was a tiny bit skeptical because... I honestly, I was a little bum, bit bummed out that they didn't get uh, Thomas Jane back because well, he did such a great job in the movie. 
he did do a great job with the movie, but I think there's kind of no way to do that because that would have like sort of at least semi-officially tied it to the old Punisher movies, which I'm not sure yeah. what like that contractual like licensing whatever, whatever with that like of all of that is. Um, but holy crap, dude! John Barenthal just chews scenery every time he is on screen. He killed it. He was so good. What's He's really, so good. What's really remarkable about him is two things. One, his face looks like it was drawn by John Romita Jr. It does. Just well, like the, that dude, I like the shape of his nose. Uh huh. It is just, just, it's just looks a very like nineteen like, eighties John Romita Jr. face, which is amazing. Yeah, um, and he just looks the part in like a in a way I think that like other uh, other people don't. Or, like, the other dudes who have played the Punisher, like, really have not. Um, yeah, he just looks he looks like the Punisher, man. Yeah, dude. And then also, the other thing that really struck me about him is how, like, when he's not, like, punishing, when he's not in mid-punishment, how, like, charming and likable the guy can be. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 really, definitely. Like, and not in a way that seems disingenuous like he's putting something on to like trick people into right. liking him he like no is... this is just like a really good dude who does really bad stuff for pretty good reasons like right i mean that is the whole of whole appeal of the punisher is that like he is in some ways like kind of a nut job but it's like a nut job wrapped around the core of like a really upstanding dude and so, right. like, what do you do with the Punisher? Um, Which is, you know, kind of one of the main thrusts of the season, so. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, they did do, I'm not going to say what, but they did recreate one of my favorite Punisher Daredevil moments. Um, the scene on the rooftop? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was wondering. I, I feel like that's not giving anything away because maybe eighty percent of Daredevil scenes take place on rooftops. Yeah, but there's like a specific like Daredevil Punisher. You know the scene I'm talking about. Oh, if do, you read yeah. a bunch of comic books, you probably do. Um, but yeah, I was wondering if we were going to get that scene, and we did, and I was really happy about it um, because I feel like basically it's. I don't want to go into the scene, but like it is a like it's a it's a very sharp divider between like what it is that makes Daredevil a Daredevil and what it is that makes the Punisher the Punisher. And uh, like those two kind of heroing ideologies kind of slam into each other with like freight train speed and just the way that it was done in the comic and they translated it to the show so, so well. Uh, it was just a great scene. So the Punisher is rad. Electra's in it, which is also rad. Listen... Anytime that Daredevil gets to punch ninjas, I'm happy. <laughs> right. Okay, so uh sorry, if if you if you know what Lecter is gonna be in there, like you know the ninjas are gonna be there, the hand. Um but yeah, man, Daredevil's punching ninjas, Electra's punching ninjas, uh the whole thing is great. Okay. My only like my only tiny beef, Matt. Uh-huh. And like this is fairly minor, but like Okay, so Daredevil is in the show, obviously, and he is wearing, like, a Daredevil costume, 
but mm-hmm. it is a Daredevil costume that people have looked at like, okay, how are we going to take like a real life human being and put them in like a Daredevil-ish style costume in a way that is like very recognizably Daredevil, but is not like just a spandex costume, right? Right. And they took a look at Elektra's costume from the comics and they're like, that's not feasible at all to wear, but they still like incorporated like elements of Electraness into it, right? Sure. Uh, my only minor problem is that the ninjas are like straight up like 80s movies ninjas. Um, oh, did you like, not like <laughs> that? Because I loved that. Like I when was, the ninjas like, showed hoping. up and were just like full on ninja, it was so good. I was hoping for a little, like, at least, like, a cursory nod to the fact that this is, like, live-action television. Well, because I feel um, like there's a build to the ninja stuff. And actually, I, I uh, see, now I feel like we're kind of getting into spoilers. Yeah, okay, let's stop talking about it. Um, like, everything about it is great. I love the show. It's just like, listen, man, like, I'm, I'm like, nitpicking, like, the tiniest of quibbles here. Oh, see, so, you now, again, that I love that. Because uh, I don't want so, to see someone punch some sort of thing that might be a ninja or like a like a modernized ninja. <laughs> I just want straight up ninja punching. <laughs> All right, Matt. You know, um, that is a very reasonable <laughs> position to take on the subject. Listen, I, I think um, we've covered it on this show before during the, uh, the Paper Dimension episode. If you want to improve anything, add a scene where people fight ninja. Can't argue with that, man. Cannot argue with that. Uh, and actually, Matt, speaking of the show, let's watch Church and Sentai Jetman. Yeah, man, let's do it. We are going to take a break. We're going to watch episode 29, The Final Battle, and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 29, The Final Battle. And Dave, what did we get into this week? So it was a final battle for some uh, guest warriors, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, We fight a really cool monster, and then uh, our guest warriors go on to live in peace. Go off into a very peculiar sunset, which we will talk about at length. Oh yeah, we're 100% going to talk about that, because it doesn't... Okay, no, we'll get into it then. So... Scene opens up, Viram Dimension, some sort of radar is going off. Dimensional radar, and they're like, what's going on? And somebody says, I can't remember which of the Viram commanders it is, oh, it must be the Berserk Warriors from the back dimension. Yeah, I mean, whatever that is. Yeah. So we go and we just see to what we would assume are Berserk Warriors from the back dimension, and they are just wandering in uh, a soundstage with, like, an orange backlight and, like, two dead trees, I think is what they're supposed to be. And there's a dimensional rift open. Just, it's just there. There's a dimensional rift open, and they're looking through it, and they say, oh, that must be Tokyo on Earth in the front dimension. So heads up, y'all. We live in the front dimension. In case you were curious. In case you were curious. Uh, and they're like, oh, well, we'll just go there. So they're heading towards this thing <laughs> and ratting it. Okay. 
This is great because before we had cut to the back dimension, there was this little exchange between the uh, the Viram commanders where... Oh, that's right. I forgot about this. They say like, oh, like these must be the Berserk Warriors from the back dimension. Hey, Radigat, I thought you said you killed all of those guys. And Radigat looks super embarrassed and Maria just starts laughing at him like, I can't believe you screwed it up and left these two jokers alive. Radicate, you suck so bad. So when Radicate shows up to harsh. stop them from escaping, like he is furious that these two are still alive. Yeah, I just want to say I feel like Maria's condemnation of Radicate is a little harsh because Radicate did wipe out literally every other living person in this dimension. Like he missed two people. That's a pretty solid success rate, Maria. Yeah, I mean. You know, he put in the work. It's just, you know, somebody escaped his notice. Uh, (laughs) So he shows up to take these these two out. Uh, The girl, who we will find out, there's two, sorry, there's two uh, people. There's a girl whose name is Rue and a dude whose name is... Duran. Duran, thank you. Uh, Right. Uh, The good half. So, yeah, so there's Rue and Duran. And so Rue, like, she... She turns around and she pulls a stick off of this dead tree and she holds it out in front of her and she's got like a headdress, like a flashy gem on a headdress and she like beams energy out of this headdress and the stick just turns into a sword, which is awesome. And she just starts going to and, like, they start on fighting. soldiers. Yeah, she's getting nuts. Uh, and then uh, we just go to a park on Earth where the Jetmen are chilling out. Mm -hmm. And everybody else, aside from Ryu, is playing badminton. And Ryu is just sort of like sitting Uh, under a tree. You know how like, you know how people look when they're relaxing under a tree in a park in like a TV show? But if you ever try to do that in real life, you realize that you're like lying down on some roots. But you continue to lie there kind of uncomfortably because you're trying to give off the illusion that you're like a totally chill dude relaxing by a tree. Yeah, like you're doing doing. the thing. Precisely. Uh, And he is, he's kind of in his head, and he is remembering Rie. Because that's what everyone thinks about on a beautiful sunny day, is a dead girlfriend. So, Ryu is remembering Rie. And they kind of, it's the same flashbacks, actually, that we've seen before. Presumably because they didn't want to make, like, more shots of this. Um, It's just all the same scenes that we've seen in previous flashbacks of Ryu remembering good times with Rie. And he is snapped out of his reverie because it looks like they're being attacked. Turns out they're not. It's just Duran, like, being launched into our dimension via a way. Yeah, uh, there's, it's never sort explained. of dimensional rift. Probably the one that they were standing next to previously. I mean, if I was going to Yeah, you would think please. that. You would think that, except Duran shows up at the park with the Jetmen, and as we're about to see in a second, Rue and Radigat just arrive at a rooftop, like in the middle of the city. And none of the Grinham soldiers go through. I don't know if Rue managed to kill them all, um, but when she shows up on the other side of the city on the rooftop, it's just her and Radigat, and they are still mid-fight. 
Yeah, either like she probably killed them all or Radigat like hopeless or heartlessly abandons them in a dead dimension. Uh, either one of those is equally plausible. Sure. Oh, did we mention that Re was shouting about the fact that she was going to fight on for her father? Oh, no, we didn't, but she did totally say that thing. So, uh, actually, that's just where we are. So, Radigat and Rue are on this rooftop. They're fighting. So, in the course of the fight, Rue gets knocked over. Radigat, like, starts to jump at her with the sword. She does this great move where she catches the sword. Like, she's lying on her back. She catches the sword, like, between her feet and then kicks it to the side. Uh, that's right. It's like, yeah, it's like the move that you see where, like, someone catches a uh, samurai sword, like, between their hands, like, clapping really hard. She does that, except with sneakers on. It's great. Rue, Rue, throughout the course of this episode, whenever she's fighting, she does a lot of, like, flips and kicks. Like, she is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. So, uh, Radigat, she managed, but Radigat, like, twists his sword free. She rolls away. He jumps at her with, like, a jumpy, stabby attack move. Uh, she grabs a garbage pail lid, and she does the same energy thing that she did with the stick and turns it into, like, a cool shell shield thing. So uh, I honestly had assumed that her, like, stick-to-sword thing was just a, like, you know, like, she uses a sword and, like, that's her move. Right. It turns out she can do this with anything. Right. Uh, So we cut away from this fight to Sky Camp, where Duran is waking up out of his, like, stupor, because he's been wounded in the course of the fight in the back dimension and, like, the trip to our front dimension. Right. Akko looks over and she like she just looks at this dude and she says, could you be from the back dimension? Which, hold up a second. Like, is I, I'm not like missing something. Am I, Matt? Like, this has never come up before, right? Well, the... I'm trying to remember because Team Garuda... Was Team Garuda also from the back dimension? I don't think so, Because I think so, they were man. called the Back Dimension Warriors, weren't they? Like, we called them Team Garuda because we thought it sounded cooler. But I think they might oh. actually have been from the Back Dimension. Or Hold up! No! Okay. I think you're right. They are the Back Dimension Warriors. I just didn't put it together because, like, these two are not at all connected to Team Garuda. Right. And also Team Garuda is, like, a million times better name. Now, uh, now okay. I don't know if so, they're actually from the same dimension, or if that is just, like, the back front dimension sort of thing is a weird, like, sort of term of cosmology that Jetman uses without properly explaining. But I want to say that they at least are both called the back dimension. Maybe different okay. worlds. Well, that... Oh, here, here I think is what it is. I think they are from different worlds that are both in that separate dimension. So it would be like... You know, the Team Garuda was from Earth, and these dudes are from, like, Mars. But it's within the same dimension. Well, okay, that works. And also, it lets Akko make a lot more sense. Because she just busts out with, hey, are you, could they be from the back dimension? Which I thought was a little weird. So, uh, the dude jumps up. He, like, manages to kind of, like, shake himself awake. And he jumps up, and he is looking around for Rue. And the Jetmen are like... Sorry, dude, we're not exactly sure what's going on, but you definitely came through alone. Now, we, of course, know that it is not actually true that he came through alone. Hashtag dramatic irony. Uh, and Rue is still fighting with Radigat on top of this rooftop. 
and she grabs two like empty beer bottles is what they look like and those become uh kusari gama i think that is the right i think that's the right thing that i want to say uh it's like a sickle with a chain and then there's like a weighted spiky ball on the end and so she is fighting him with that so now at this point, Radigate has become hip to what it is that she is doing. He's like, ah, she can make weapons out of whatever. Right. Oh, uh, heads up. It totally was Kusari Gama. Nice, I was right. Nice. I feel real good about it. Yeah. So Radigate is actually pretty impressed uh, that like with this power, which is a little. Did he not know that they could do this? Because he fought their entire dimension or something. You no, know, okay. Well, we will get to this in a second because we're about to hit a flashback of what happened to their world. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Good we point. cut back to so... the Jetman and Duran, and they're walking around, and he's saying, Oh, you have such a beautiful world. Our world, called Berserk. So, like, they are not Berserker warriors in that, like, they are, like, they are furious warriors who go into, like, Berserker rages. They are just warriors <laughs> right. from the planet called Berserk. Which is, which is like kind of a, a little misleading. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of misleading things about the names of things in this episode. It is not the final battle. They are not Berserker warriors in the traditional sense. Anyway, so he goes into a flashback of what happened to Berserk. We go to like the interior of a temple in a flashback. <laughs> no one else is there. Yep. It's just Rue and Duran. Some sort of randomly scattered pillars and like a small altery mm-hmm. looking thing with some smoke. Yeah, and they walk up to each other and they like flash lights at each other from like a headdress thing and then they shake hands and they say, now we will be married forever. A beautiful ceremony. <laughs> well, it's quick. I'll give them that. Okay. Uh, like the whole thing took... Less than 10 seconds. So as this is happening, there's a big sort of shake, and the temple starts to come down around them. And Duran says, like, the like the Virum showed up very quickly. They blew up everyone on our planet, and since we were inside the temple, I think we are the only people who survived. So yeah. I don't think that they destroyed Berserk the same way that they've been trying to destroy Earth. I think they might have just, like, bombarded them from space. Oh, and then, so, yeah, okay, well, that would make sense then why Radigate does not know now, about this power that she has. Now, I do why those two people were the only two people on that entire planet who were inside and under something that could protect them. Uh, maybe maybe there was it was just like a structure super... on that planet. <laughs> maybe it was just a super strong temple. Maybe, like, everything else is just, like, wood and paper, and, you know, this temple is made out of whatever. So, um... It's it's this actually I thought it was Rue's father because she said before that she was going to fight for her father. It's not. It's just their like master, I guess. I I was led to but, believe that that was her father. Okay. Maybe it's uh Duran's master and her father or something, but they find him, Rue and Duran do, and he is like crushed under some pillars. And he says, "Listen, the most important thing is that you do not live for revenge. You must live for the sake of Berserk. Uh, Rue is like, okay, got it. Live for revenge. Checked off my list. Yeah, did you say live for revenge? <laughs> Flashback. Okay, that's what I heard. 
Yeah, <laughs> we go back and uh, Duran is like, yeah, and then Rue, like, she just didn't listen. She's just super lives for revenge. That is, like, her whole shebang. Uh, it really bums me out. She used to be, like, so gentle and kind, and now she is, uh, now she's not. Now, speaking of Rue not being gentle and kind, Radigat is now just toying with her. Because we cut back to the fight, and he is doing that thing where he, like, makes illusions of himself. And so she starts, like, swinging the big heavy-weighted end of her weapon around. And, like, it's glowing with energy. So he'll just, like, stand in front of a building. She'll swing it at him. It goes right through the illusion. The building explodes. And then he just keeps doing that. And for whatever reason, she is not figuring out that it is not working out in her favor. Right. And he actually makes fun of her. He's like, do you not realize that you can't beat me like this? But I think he's, like, taunting her and she's getting angry. And he is tricking her, sort of, into being a sort of... Not a bio-dimensional beast, obviously, but, like... A threat. You know, he is he is using her to destroy the city. So we go to Sky Camp. Uh, the chief sees Rue on the screen looking for Radigat. Uh We go back to the Viram dimension. And the Viram are like, what is he... Like, what is he, or the Viram commanders, rather, like, what is this dude doing? Like, why is Radigat just messing with her? But, like, Maria gets it. Maria says, oh, he is you, he's going to use her to defeat the Jetmen. That's the ploy here. Right. So, the Jetmen show up to a place where she is, like, sort of on a rampage, which is, of course, one of our four locations. Uh, we are at... I- yeah, this is a uh, shipping yard. Yes. And they're like, hey, uh, you need to chill. Like, please stop wrecking everything. Uh, But she is very fired up and is not willing to listen to it. And for whatever reason, like, Duran will show up in a minute, but they did not bring him along immediately. Probably because he can't fly. Which is a tiny bit weird, but whatever. So the Jetmen are like, listen, if you won't stop, like, we are going to have to make you stop. Like, no hard, you know, like... They're not being, like, super angry, and Rue's like, no! And so the Jetmen jump down, and Rue takes them to school. Oh, she like she, she takes the Jetmen out in, like, under 10 seconds. And she's about to land, like, the killing blow on all five of them when Duran shows up. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed something. No, no, something. no. Wait, 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 Matt. Yeah, you missed something. So she knocks them all over, and then she like she throws away her ball and chain and grabs a pipe and does like her flashy thing, and it just becomes a straight up assault rifle, a laser assault rifle. Hey, Dave, is it possible? <laughs> is it possible that Rue is also a deadly female sniper who never misses her mark? It could be the case. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, this chick is amazing. She's like Guy Gardner, except she doesn't suck. Now, specifically, Dave, uh, you are referring to Guy Gardner the warrior. Oh, yeah, okay. sorry. Guy Gardner is a Green Lantern I'm actually kind of a fan of. So, yeah, she turns this pipe into a straight-up assault rifle, and then Duran arrives, and he's like, no, 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 Rue, seriously, not uh, these you need to, to stop. They helped me. Yeah, please, like, chill out. So Radigan is like, ha, ah, foiled, and he sort of disappears. And then we see just a suit of samurai armor, and like the phantom hand comes in and like puts a, a dimensional beast, biodimensional bug on the armor. I was thinking about this. Does putting a biodimensional beast on an object that is itself like inherently warlike, does that make like a better biodimensional beast? Because I think the evidence is that it isn't, 
or it doesn't, but I feel like it should. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it kind of depends. I mean, like, this is a rad monster, but, like, it's not any more effective than Light Armadillo. Right, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, I mean, ultimately, like, whatever. It doesn't actually matter. So he puts this bug on this suit of samurai armor, and it becomes, like, a, a suit of living snake-themed samurai armor called Curse Snake. Which is tough to say, but is a super cool monster. Dude, Curse Snake looks great. Yeah, he just looks like, um, he kind of looks like the samurai version, not, um, what's the dude from Cobra? Not Cobra Commander. Uh, Serpentor? The dude, maybe Serpentor, the dude who just has like a giant snakehead helmet, that guy? Yes, you are thinking of Serpentor, the guy who is like the genetic amalgamation of like Hitler and Attila the Hun and Ivan the Terrible and stuff. Yes. Yep. That's the dude. Yeah. He looks like the samurai version of Serpentor. Except he's green. And he's got a, a, an extra little snake on top of his regular snake head. Yes. Uh, so, super awesome. So, we flash back uh, over to the, uh, to the Jetmen and the back. They're not like the Berserk War, the Berserk Warriors. And we find out that, again, it's like, no, it wasn't her master. It was her master, not her dad, or whatever. And. Duran is like, Rue, please, you need to stop living for revenge. Like, we have to stop fighting. And Rue is basically like, stuff that nonsense. Like, I'm fighting. Let's do this. Right. Like, I have decided to live for revenge. And listen, I know you're, like, I do not care that you're not into it. Like, we're just going to do this until Radigan is dead. Deal with that. Yeah, uh, so Curse Snake shows up, and what he does, this is so cool, he launches his, like, one of his arms and one of his legs at Rue, and then when they hit her, they, like, turn into energy and then put themselves onto Rue. So now Rue is wearing Curse Snake as armor, because he's, like, a suit of armor. So it turns out there's nothing in there. It stayed yes, armor. so... Like, Duran reaches over and is trying to get it off of her. And what? And Curse Snake, like, zaps the two of them. And the armor pieces transfer from Rue to Duran. So now he is wearing them. And Curse Snake, like, starts to move his other hand, like, up and down and around like it's a snake. And the, uh, like, the parts of armor that are on Duran start, like, moving back towards Curse Snake and dragging him with them. Yeah, so he retains some sort of control over his armor pieces even when they're not connected. So he is, like, dragging Duran towards him. Uh, Rue is holding on, trying, of course, to, like, you know, hold him back. Ryu turns the corner, sees this, flashes back to his own moment where he was trying to stop the love of his life from being sucked into the merciless vacuum of space and failing and has, like, a real intense moment about it. But uh, they fail, and Duran gets dragged towards Curse Snake, and there's, like, a like a laser zappy bit sort of transfer thing, and he is put into the armor. Yeah, so it's no longer just the boot and arm, like, Curse Snake has got Duran. And apparently... Yes, so now he's in the armor, and, like, he tries to cover his face with his hands, isn't it? Like a, oh no, what is happening kind of moment. 
there's a quick, very choppy camera cut. And when he removes his yeah. hands from his face, he's now wearing like this final piece of the armor, which is this face mask. Yeah, which looks like the inside of the snake's mouth with like a tongue coming out of it. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. And then Curse Snake, he like reaches down and grabs a pipe and like turns it into a sword in the same way that Rue does. Okay, so it turns out that this is not just Rue that can do this. Like everybody from Berserk can do this. So we're in like a Legion of Superheroes situation here. We're just like everyone on the planet has this superpower. Right. Yeah, it's as though like whatever planet the aliens from Guy Gardner Warrior like came from sent a member to the Legion of Superheroes. But like this is their home planet. Right. That is okay. Sorry. That's just something that's always kind of bugged me about the Legion of Superheroes. It's just like, what's your superpower? Well, I'm matter eater, lad, so I can eat anything. Like, how did you get that power? It's like, oh, just everybody where I'm from can do this. What? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It's just always bothered me. Like, okay, well, then why are you the only one who's joining the Legion of Superheroes if you're from an entire planet where everybody has crazy superpowers? You know, I don't know. I don't really know why that happens. I'm sure there's a reason, but I've never really been a Legion guy, so. You know, I actually, I kind of want to read some more Legion comics because I really like the idea of the Legion of Superheroes. And my hope, my hope is that, and if somebody like knows, please enlighten me because I like the idea, but I don't actually read a ton of the books. My hope is that like joining the Legion of Superheroes is like a giant honor, right? And so, like, all the, the plan, like, as a planetary, like, competition to see, like, oh, who's the one dude from our planet that gets to go join the Legion? Well, I know it's very difficult to get into the Legion, uh, which is why a bunch right. of people get rejected from it. And you have the Legion of Substitute Heroes made up of all the people who didn't make the cut. Right. Uh, so, anyways, uh, Super Sentai, back. So, uh, Duran has turned this pipe into, like, a giant and just hugely impractically weighted sword. Uh, just like a really weird design. And Radigat is overseeing this whole and thing. He and he says, yeah, he's delighted. And he says, all those who get absorbed lose their hearts and they become devils. Now, Rue is not really willing to accept this fact yet. And so he, she is shouting to Duran like, Duran, Duran, be cool, like chill. Do not kill me. Remember? Remember how we're married and I love you? <laughs> uh, he does not. He does not remember at all. And so he totally he just goes to stab her. And uh, but Ryu, like in this moment, you know, like not that he, he I mean, he's a hero, whatever. And so he like jumps in front of the sword blade and saves Rue from being stabbed by Duran. Now, the problem is they have uncross changed. So he's not in his uh, Jetman form right now. So when he takes the hit, he just takes the hit. Yeah. Um, and so then the fight is, is over and, uh, they're just at sky camp and Ryu is it like hooked up to some stuff in like intensive care style, like being taken right, care Because of. this was a very serious injury and everyone is sort of circling around his hospital bed. Like, is he going to live? What can we do? Oh my gosh, this is very bad. Uh, Chief is trying to settle them down saying that she's doing her best because apparently Chief is also a doctor. Um, 
Yeah, the, uh, sure. And like and, Kauri is like wringing her hands over it. And eventually Rue says, okay, we're good. We're fine. Like Ryu's going to be okay. And she starts like unplugging all the life support stuff from him, which everyone else has a understandably like major reaction to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so she's they're like, what are you doing? And she says, oh, well, everyone from my planet can turn anything they pick up into a weapon. But apparently we can abandon our powers and turn them into healing powers. But I think that but it's like a one time yeah, exactly. thing. Like either for the rest of your life, you can turn anything that you pick up into a weapon or you can bring someone back from near death one time. Yeah. That's like a switch. And then like your power is gone. So she, I guess like flips this internal switch Cause there's like there's no in she doesn't do anything. She's like, oh yeah, this is just a thing we can do, and then she does it. She's like, Ryu, accept my life, and like she does like a glittery energy thing over him. Ryu starts to flutter. She just collapses, which no one pays attention to. No, they, they all rush look over back to for Ryu for another minute. So they rush over to Ryu. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh goodness, they like you know, thank thank goodness you're cool. And guy is the first person who's like, hey, wait, uh, where'd where'd Rue go? Because she's gone now. Yes, Rue has- so she apparently collapsed and then like crawled off screen because we don't see her get up. She's just gone. Yeah, she has like army crawled off screen and is now like immediately some absurd distance away, like on a mountainside, I think. Just a shouting for Duran yeah. looking for him. And she's apparently fine, which I did not anticipate because she said the words, Ryu, accept my life, and then she collapsed. So I was expecting her to be in like way less of like a cool state than she is because she's fine. Yeah, she's basically fine. Like she can no longer sort do the weapon of. thing, but otherwise she has recovered completely, it seems. Yeah, so Radigate arrives with Duran and Rue's like, oh no, Duran, like, hey, it's you. This is great. But not really, please don't kill me. Uh, Duran slash Cursed Snake ignores her and totally attacks. Rue, like, (laughs) there's a great moment where Rue, like, starts to get geared up and you can kind of see it in her face that she momentarily forgot that she no longer had her, like, crazy fighty powers. Yeah. And then she's just like, oh no, uh, but it's okay, because the Jetman get there. Yeah, Duran is closing in for the kill, and he gets stopped by the Jetman who have arrived just in time to jump kick him in the chest. Which happens a lot. It's a great... That's, a, that's like, one of their that big is a... like, introductory moves. It's like something is happening, and then one <laughs> right, like... or more of the Jetman jump kick it. Uh, so, now, it is Ryu versus Cursed Snake. Because they're, oh, sorry, there's Grinham soldiers there, too. Everybody else is fighting Grinham soldiers. Ryu is kind of, like, 1v1-ing this Cursed Snake, right? right? So, like, Giant Impractical Sword versus Bringer Sword. It's kind of going back and forth. Uh, Ryu kind of takes a jump back. He pulls out his Bird Blaster, and he is about to do, like, the Bringer Sword-Bird Blaster combo move. But Ryu runs up, and she says, please don't. Like, please don't kill him, because, like, if you kill him, I'll be all alone. 
because there's nobody else alive in my dimension. And also, like, and that is Ryu, my husband. Like, she doesn't that say that, but it is, you know, the case. Right. Uh, and Ryu, like, he gets it. And so he, he tosses his weapons down. No, he doesn't do it and without the other a jet man are like, I'm sorry, you have missed yet another Ryu Rie, like, in love flashback. Because we get oh, yet yeah, another sorry. one. Just in case you had forgotten from earlier this episode. <laughs> and what's essentially great. Okay, so we have seen, like, we see a flashback of Rie getting sucked into space. I would say once every, like, maybe three to four episodes. You think that's, I think that's fair. Um, but it's only ever the same shot. Like, it's the exact same footage every time. <laughs> and so at this point, like, this is the single most watched scene in all of Jetman, is Rie getting sucked into space. Because you see the same footage over and over and over again. You see it twice in this episode. And what's great about this time is you see that, and you also, in this flashback, see, like, them canoeing together, I think. Like, whenever you see... Yeah, which is a weird uh, juxtaposition. It's great, because whenever you see, like, the flashbacks of them in love, the activities that they are doing are so... Like, sometimes they are relevant to what is happening in the episode, but sometimes they're just like, yeah, go back in the flashback stack and grab some footage of those two in love. So, uh, Ryu finishes his flashback, and he's sort of like, oh, yeah, I get it. So he tosses his weapons down. And then the other Jetmen are like, dude, Ryu, what are you, like, what are you doing? Uh, like, we're in the middle of a fight here. And Ryu says, no. Like, uh, Duran is still in there. And we can't kill him just to kill Cursed Snake. The problem is the snake that's on top of his head. And so I'm going to run over there. And I'm going to, like, hold him down. And you guys aim for the snake that's, like, the top snake that's controlling him. Which is extremely dangerous because, of course, he was going to be grappling with a dude who is getting lasers shot at his head. Yeah, uh, so Ryu runs over and Cursed Snake is like throwing energy bolts at him, but Ryu manages to dodge them. He closes, he does get the grapple on uh, Cursed Snake and everybody like pauses for a second like no one's no sure what to do uh for a moment and then guys like oh wait yeah shoot the snake right and so they all got out their bird blasters and they do successfully shoot the creepy snake that is on top of cursed snake's head duran like flies back the armor sort of flies off of him and lands in a heap and Kauri the, yeah and- this that was actually a really cool moment because you see the armor Okay, I sort of wish that they had just used actual armor and had that flown off because what they clearly threw on the Kramer was just like the rubber suit that kind of looked like solid armor but very clearly isn't because right. it kind of like hits the ground and flops around right, a little bit because it's, it's a rubber, rubber. suit. <laughs> um, but uh, so Duran is saved and Rue and Kauri like run over to their respective dudes and uh, and then the scene is well, over. Let me, like, let me clarify something, Dave. Rue runs over to her dude. Kauri runs over to Ryu, who has time and again refused to go out with her. Uh, oh, well, okay. Yes. Uh, but she is super excited. Man, that's just got to be like super rough for Guy and Raita. 
because Kauri is not <laughs> like she like, does not even she does not pretend. have any grace. Yeah, she has no grace about the situation at all. Like, there is no recognition or acknowledgement from Kauri that there are two other dudes who are super into her that are, like, literally right there. She's just like, screw you, nerds. Ryu is over there, and I'm going to run over to him. So, Radigat pieces out. He's done. Like, his plot has been foiled. He, I guess, does not have a way to turn the empty armor into a giant suit of empty armor. Uh, and so he's just gone fight over episode near end, but not over right. yet. Yes, there is some other stuff that is about to happen. So um, we go back to the park and we see the chief and she is talking to Rue and uh, Duran. And she says, I really would love to have you guys fight with us. You clearly have beef with like the Virum, like you guys would be great. And Ryu says, no, Chief. They, they shouldn't. Uh, they've had so much fighting in their lives. They should just have a chance to, like, live in peace. Right, like, this world is ours and, to defend. They've, you know, they've done their bit. Now it's our turn to do ours. Like, they should go on and, you know, give up their dreams of revenge and just chill. Right. And so Ryu and Duran are like, Ryu, thank you so much. And Jetman, like, thank you so much for everything you've done for us. How can we repay you? And Ryu walks over and like puts their hands together and clasps their hands and says, just promise me that like you'll never let go of each other. Like no matter what, that you guys will like stay together. Uh, This is particularly poignant because you may remember uh, that his girlfriend was sucked into the merciless vacuum of space because Ryu could not in fact hold on. And so he says, hold on and never let go. And that is the way that you will repay us. I am legitimately surprised that we do not get another flashback. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like it would have been a perfect moment. And, and so it seems as though Rue and Duran are just going to go and like live in peace and like be together because they turn around and they walk away. And it turns out that what they are walking towards is a dimensional rift back presumably, to the back dimension and their dead planet of Berserk, where there is literally no other living people. Yeah, so they are just, like, first of all, I guess that rift is just open, like, 24-7. Like, it's just there. And they have elected to go back and live amongst the corpses and rubble of their civilization. Instead right. of, like, just like, why are they out. not just... Right, just go to like some beautiful like rural village somewhere and chill. Like, why are you returning to the dead ashes of your broken world? Go hang out just with Ryan stay here. He's just chilling. Right, there is literally nothing there. This is not like a thing. I mean, okay, like literally, there is like still matter on Berserk, but like there's nothing there. It's not like there's a a scrappy survivors that could rebuild civilization. It's just them. Yeah, it is bananas. I do not know why they decided to do this other than to just like put a period on the fact that like, yeah, these characters are not coming back. Do not expect them to return in the course of this television show. Because that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, no, like that does make more sense. And I guess it's nicer than them dying, except not really. I mean, you know, it is certainly a happier ending than Team Garuda got. 
I am not totally convinced that that's true, actually. But whatever. Uh, but that is the end of the episode, for sure. Yes. So, Dave, what was your high point of this episode? Uh, my high point of this episode is Curse Snake. Like, that's just a super bad idea for a monster. Yeah, dude, Curse like Snake a living suit of armor that awesome. can launch himself yeah, at you and then take over and turn you into a crazy monster and also potentially use any superpowers that you may have. That's just a super neat. That's just like a rad monster and it looks super cool. Uh, how about you, man? Uh, my high point has got to be Rue. Uh, like when Rue is doing all her like crazy, like, you know, weapon creation, flipping fight moves. Like she is awesome. Like Rue is a real powerhouse in this episode. Um, yeah, definitely, man. I was a little surprised and like, and I wouldn't say disturbed, but I was kind of amazed at just how quickly she takes out the Jetman. Uh, she doesn't even look like she's trying super hard. To be honest. Now, to be fair, they are not trying to murder her. But uh, Okay, that is a good point. But yeah, uh, she's so. great. Uh, what is your low point? My low point is definitely the fact that Fru and uh, Duran just go back to the Berserk. Like, I know we literally just talked about it, uh, but it's real stupid and it kind of makes me a little bit angry. <laughs> Um, how about you, man? What was your low point? Man, if I was going to pick a low point of this episode, I am going to say that I am sad that we did not get a scene at the very end where the Viram commanders made fun of Radigat for failing to kill those two dudes again. Ooh, how that would have been, been, been a really good moment. <laughs> okay. Good episode, but it's all over now. That is going to do it for another episode of The Jetman with a Golden Gun. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Bros. If you like the show, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe. That's what's going to help new people find the show. If you're one of the people who have done that for us, I really appreciate it. Uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. We'll see you next week.